Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance podcast. Uh, it's Nate and Chris in the studio today, as always, with our tech wizard, Dave, and uh, with friend of the show today, Jude. How you doing today, Jude? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be back here with the Rebel Alliance. And uh, you didn't get banned from the show and uh, didn't get uh, so scolded by your wife or church that uh, they wouldn't allow you back. So, Well, I didn't really tell any of them about it, So, but I, <laughs> apparently we're supposed to tell people about that. Is that right? That's right. So what we were going to say is uh, it's really helpful for us if, uh, as we're posting these episodes on Facebook, if you just like, comment, and share. It just helps us get our audience expanded so we can get more people uh, listening to us talk about the Bible and Star Wars and everything that matters. We're also available now on iTunes, so if you can, uh, you can find us there on iTunes or on your favorite uh, podcast catcher. And if you rate us and review us on YouTube, uh, on iTunes rather, uh, that really helps the show as well. So, uh, how you doing today, Chris? I can't complain. Just drinking some good coffee. Yeah, we we stopped. So we're all sitting around the table here today with uh, 1018 coffee. So you've had an influence on the show already, Jude. This was uh, this was his find. You know, I can uh, I can retire now. I've done my job. You've you done one good thing good with your life. <laughs> He's accomplished the one goal. I can start collecting seashells. <laughs> well, uh, we'll email John Piper and ask him what he thinks about uh, Jude doing that. So uh, we got an opening question today, Chris. What are we talking about? Yeah, we do have an opening question. Which biblical figure, apart from Jesus, would make the best superhero? Let that percolate for a minute. Which biblical figure? No Jesus. That's good. Nobody can Jesus juke us on this question. Uh, you got you got one in mind there, Chris? Or let me, me let me start here because I immediately went to something. I I immediately try to make an association with a already existing superhero, and so you know I'm thinking Aquaman. You know his debut in the movies coming up. I think they've got a movie coming up with him. Nice. Uh, so maybe that's why. But Noah, maybe that's how Noah got the uh, animals onto the ark. You know, shooting those rings out of his forehead the way Aquaman did, <laughs> controlling the animals. Yeah, and quiet. that's how he got the the boat loaded. So you have Aquaman controlling the sea animals, and now you have Noah controlling the land animals. And one of the biggest Bible mysteries answered. There you go. <laughs> there you go. We've always wondered, how did all those animals get there? Was it a safari? Did God just line them up? Did Noah have to grab them? That's a great question. My question with that is, did they walk up two by two? You know those cards you always see? They're like, they're all but, in nice and orderly fashion, just walking up. Noah's like checking them off a list. Now that is what the Sunday school flannel graph told me. So it must be must true. Must be right. It must be that, true. That must, if it's drawn in a picture with the white Noah, it must be true. Right. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with David on this one, uh, which seems like the the easy answer. But I think you know with with all these Avengers movies that are uh, hitting theaters and and being super successful, um, you're seeing the group of heroes, right? And David had his mighty men, and so David was not just you know the warrior. He wasn't just the giant killer. He wasn't just the the king, but he he also led these mighty men. So they looked to him as a leader. Almost like the uh, the Captain America, the Avengers, or the Professor Xavier of the X Men. So you have the Justice League and the Jewish League. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well played. Well played. Well done. I'm gonna go a little bit different. Okay. I'm gonna go with the Apostle Paul. Now hear me out here. Okay. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was thrown in jail countless times. Attacked by dogs. Attacked by, by dogs. Bitten by poisonous snake. But lived through it all. Nice. So he's unbreakable. So his power, his superpower, is indestructibility. 
or just the the advanced healing that Wolverine and Sabretooth have. Do you think he had a healing factor? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> he would call his healing factor the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit healing factor? Yeah. That's a gift I want. How do I pray for that one? I don't know. I don't think that one's listed in Corinthians, though. That would, that, it could have been in one of the other two Corinthians, right? Yeah, the ones that we don't have. There you go. Well, now we're going outside the Bible, so that's always a cue to stop our conversation <laughs> and, uh, and redirect. Uh, so what we wanted to talk about today is, is something that uh, I think we kind of grew up in a, in a church where the environment was that when you, uh, when you discovered something new about God, uh, the vernacular was, the language that we used was, God told me so. And uh, so we would use these phrases, and uh, I remember growing up in churches where we heard that all the time. God told me this, God told me that, and I just, I, I remember growing up, I just assumed that God talked to my parents about my behavior all the time when <laughs> I was a kid, right? I, uh, I'd get in trouble, or my parents would find something out I was trying to hide from them, and my mom would say, God told me. And I just, I, I didn't know what that meant. So what we want to talk about a, a little bit today is the language that we use with this kind of stuff. When we talk about God speaking to us, are we talking about an audible voice? Are we talking about the, the still small voice, as a lot of uh, Christians would call it? Or, or is this something inside? And how do we differentiate between that and our own voices in our heads? Sure. Um, big, big topic. So what's your experience growing up with this stuff, Jude? Well, similar to yours, and one of the things that you know, matters a lot to me, and one of the things I say now when someone comes up to me and says, God told me, uh, is to question them what they mean by that. Right. And uh, so... Interestingly, uh, a couple weekends ago, a um, person at our church had the sense or expressed the idea that, that God had spoken to them. And they received a question, well, was it audible? And they said, well, I think it might have been. But they weren't by themselves. There was other people there. Okay. So I can assure them it wasn't audible, right. else other people would have heard it. Yeah. Um, but I, it's not that I didn't believe what he was saying or what he was trying to communicate, but it was worth asking some questions to see what he meant by when he said God told him. Well, what it came down to was, um, and this is how I would articulate it, he had the impression that he should do something. And he felt like that came from God. Um, I've got no problem with that. Right. Matter of fact, I'm in total agreement with that. But I think how you articulate that is very important. Um, you know, saw it in, in our upbringing, uh, in the church where uh, God would tell people to do things contrary to scripture. Yeah. I mean, now you get into huge problems. Yeah. And even as you mentioned earlier, um, if God audibly speaks, you know, it seems to me that that would have the uh, infallibility uh, of scripture. Right. If you could be that certain of that, you know, you could go on that. And I don't think we ever get that um, anymore. And, and I think, I mean, I don't want to pick on any particular uh, denomination or, or style of church or anything like that, but you, when you get to uh, some of these, there's, there's videos on YouTube or you go to some of these conferences and people are speaking and, and they're using the language, thus says the Lord, or God is saying this, and, and they speak as if they're speaking God's word. I, I, I always found it interesting. I'm an English guy, right? So when God starts missing up mex, mi, messing up his tenses, yep. right? Or, or he starts... Uh, bad grammar. Bad grammar. You're yep. thinking, you know, God is God. He doesn't make these kinds of mistakes. Right. Um, maybe his first language is Hebrew, so he's doing it ESL style. <laughs> but, I mean, I, uh, that was a question I always had. So, I mean, Chris, you didn't necessarily grow up in the church with this kind of uh, language. You came to, to faith later in life. So what... 
the way crazy Christians talk, how did that affect you and your journey into faith? Well, the first, the first time I ever heard the God told me was in relation to, in relationship to a relationship where a friend said that God had told him that this was the girl he was to marry. And the girl, like, apparently God didn't tell the girl. So (laughs) it was like, I was like, and so I remember sitting there thinking like, if God told him that and he didn't tell her, like who's lying here. Right. And so I, I, I become very skeptical and I was very skeptical of this whole idea that God sp- spoke until I actually started reading the scripture. And I, I, I reasoned from the scriptures that God has spoken. He's spoken all he needs to speak and right. it's in his word. Right. And so we don't need this extra segment. We don't need to hear the voice of God. We have the voice of God and it's in his word. All right, so that actually that that's a bit of a contentious issue, I think, and and so let's let's just flush that out because there'd probably be a lot of our listeners who would who would hear that and say, Chris, you're taking Jesus away from me. I talk to Jesus all the time; he talks to me. So I guess what we're what we're asking here is, do Christians have uh, a conversational relationship with Jesus? Do we talk back and forth with Jesus, and, and what does that look like? So uh, that's a, it's a it's a big question, and I think this is why language matters. So how would you answer that? Um, I would say there is a conversational relationship, but it's one way. That is, I confer, I converse with Jesus, that I speak words to him, uh, often, um, usually audible. Um, but again, if someone said to me, they had a conversational relationship with Jesus, I would want to say, what do you mean by that? And, uh, I would actually, um, extend people who talk that way, a lot of grace, Because generally, I think what they mean is something that I believe in. I just don't appreciate the way they're articulating it. You know, so so to push back on what what Chris said, um, we do have the word. But we know the reason, the only reason we can understand it correctly is because the Holy Spirit illuminates it to us. Right, amen. How does that happen? How does the Holy Spirit communicate that truth to us? Right. There's something going on there. Yep. And I think often uh, that's what people are sensing or the impression they get is, is the Holy Spirit communicating something to them, um, whether it's uh, a verse that they're supposed to share with someone or the conviction to share their faith with someone at a certain time, you know, that, that yep. burning conviction you get. There's some sort of communication going on there. Right. And so I believe there is an ongoing communication between us uh, and God. Uh, but again, let's talk about what you mean when you say Jesus told me. Right. And I think, uh, sometimes people use that language and, and even, you know, the, the person you're describing who talked about hearing God audibly, I, I think sometimes we're really trying to validate what the Holy Spirit might actually really be trying to communicate to us, and we almost need to validate it by saying, oh no, it, it was audible, you know, and, right. and we, so we, we try to almost, uh, make it sound more legit if we say, no, I heard a voice, I, I heard a real voice, and I, I think it's just not helpful. And and I remember as a, as a young guy in a church, um, hearing this kind of language and not having anybody tell me what they meant by that, I knew that I'd never heard the voice of God. I, right. I, I didn't know what it sounded like, I didn't know, I knew there were voices going on in my head, but I, I couldn't differentiate between whether or not that was God or myself. And so hearing people talk about oh, I heard from God, or God told me this, was just very unhelpful and confusing for me as a young man. And it wasn't really until 
uh, in Hebrews, uh, when it talks about, Hebrews starts off, it says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. And so, once I got to that verse and I realized that God has spoken to me through the Bible, then suddenly it gave me a bit of a filter, right? So there's things going on in my head, and, and, and I'm trying to differentiate, is, is that God giving me an idea, or is that an idea I have? Well, the, the Bible is our filter for that, and, and God's not going to communicate things to us that are outside of Scripture. And so if he has spoken to us through the Word of God, then um, he's not going to communicate to me something that's contrary. And so when I have ideas that line up with Scripture, I recognize that's God giving me those ideas, that's God, you know, guiding me and, and speaking to me, and uh, but if it's something that's outside of there, then then I know I'm in trouble. Yeah, and listen to the voices in my head. So you know, you and I sort of grew up in in charismania. You know, the <laughs> we had that up, but you know, we've we've mentioned that Chris uh, didn't. So Chris, do you ever have that sense of getting an impression or a nudge or some sort of sense of? Uh, direction in terms of just everyday life things? Or does that not occur to you? Do you ever have a, you know, oh, I should really share this scripture with my brother here in this? Or uh, or maybe you're praying and all of a sudden you think of to pray for someone uh, about some issue that almost comes out of the blue. Do you have, any, uh, have those types of experiences or not really? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I do. It's like, I, I would articulate that as that's the Holy Spirit working in you. You know right. what I mean? So I don't think of that as like God audibly speaking. I, right. I, I think for me, the big drawback on this whole idea is like audible voice versus just, right. I don't know the way to articulate it. Like this, the way the Holy Spirit just works in our lives. Cause I yeah. agree with you with the only reason I can understand his word is because God spirit illuminates these words to me. And right. when you're in a conversation with somebody and words just come to you, that's just God speaking through you. Yeah. And I, and I'm fully on board that I believe that happens. Yeah. And that ha that does happen when I, when I read things, I'll, people will pop into my head and I'll be like, Oh, I should, I should reach out to that person today. Yeah. But I, so, I, I don't think of that in terms of like, an audible voice. That's just an yeah. internal thing. So, you know, I think we're on the same page here and a lot has to do with the culture you grew up in and how they describe things and how they explain things. One of the things I think, and in particular, I'm thinking of what happened recently, but I would say this is probably sometimes, um, people will get such a strong impression that it seems like someone spoke audibly to them, or perhaps if they're very new to that experience of, you know, to put it in your words, the Holy Spirit working in them, it would seem like someone's been speaking to them. So, right. you know, I want to extend a lot of grace to those people um, and to talk about what they mean and see what they mean. And I find more often than not, uh, I don't disagree with them. It's just how we articulate. Right. Now, we'll, we'll use a big word here for a second, um, a theological word that um, around this table we are uh, would consider ourselves continuationists, right? So uh, Jude said we grew up in charismania. Uh, uh, charismatic is kind of one of those terms that maybe comes with some baggage, but we would believe in the continuing uh, work of the Holy Spirit in both the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, but also in the miraculous mm -hmm. gifts. And so... Uh, 
I'll just throw this at you, Jude, and I have a verse in mind that maybe we'll go to and talk about a little bit, but would you call this, what we're talking about, the Holy Spirit communicating in some fashion to us, um, would you call this prophecy? Is that is that the right term for it? Um, not necessarily, okay. but I would put it along the same lines. So, you know, I would say uh, prophecy would have a couple extra facets to it that this sort of uh, impression doesn't have. So I think um, there's an immediacy uh, to the prophetic word where it, it you know it comes at a point in time. And I think it comes with uh, the idea that it's supposed to be shared publicly. Right. And to be honest, I think a lot of these, uh, the mistake people may make with a lot of these impressions is they're not meant to be shared. Right. They're for you, you know? personally. Yeah. Hey, God told me I'm supposed to marry you. <laughs> well, what if he did? That doesn't mean you should tell, <laughs> right. you know, someone that. Great first impression, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why don't you go to the Lord in prayer with it and say, this is what it seems to be happening. God, you know, yeah. work this out and, and, and maybe just date the girl like a normal guy would instead yeah. of telling her that, you know. I, as, as a young man who uh, was single and looking to get married, I'm sure that I could have uh, made myself believe that God told me to marry lots of girls. Sure, <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So to, to get back to your question, so I think prophecy has that there's an immediacy to it. I think the sense of um, the Holy Spirit giving you an idea uh, is very similar. Right. Uh, you know, that impression. And but it comes also with that um, sharing with public. I mean, the, the spiritual gifts are for the edification of the church. That's right. And so it has that added dimension with it as well. Um, but in terms of, uh, I don't think um, someone who prophesies is hearing an audible voice and then uh, regurgitating it. Right. I think they are given an idea that they are meant to uh, express using words. Right. So just so that we're kind of giving this conversation uh, uh, its full treatment, um, there'll be listeners who, who know, you know, 1 Corinthians talking about gifts of prophecy and that sort of thing. So when we say prophecy... In terms of those spiritual gifts, as continuationists who believe that these spiritual gifts are still going on, how is that different, do you think, from Old Testament prophecy? Because we know Old Testament prophecy really was the words of God, which is why if you got it wrong, you were killed as a false prophet. Sure. So we aren't killing people who make predictions that don't come hopefully, true anymore. Hopefully. At my church, anyway. Yeah, I don't know about we've West We've never London, tried that. And we're yeah. not saying anybody who says God told me and they're wrong, to, that we should put them to death. No, no. that well, yeah, no. <laughs> Just I, making sure all our listeners <laughs> know that. <laughs> So, um, so what would be uh, the difference then between the the prophecy uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Is there a, is there a biblical warrant? Do you think for making a differentiation between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy? You know, that's a great question, and of course, that's one of the arguments that a cessationist would make against the gifts of the Spirit. But um, you know, to me, as I was as I thought about this, and you know, there's, there's arguments about looking at New Testament prophecies that weren't. Um, letter for letter accurate, yep. uh, the way perhaps the Old Testament ones were supposed to be. and are the, But one of the things I have just thought about is, is um, you know, it's a new covenant. You know, the, the new covenant that comes through Christ, everything uh, about the Old Testament, as far as I can think, uh, has changed to some degree. Is there priests in the New Testament? Yeah, we're all priests. Right. That, that function has changed. That role has changed. Um, are, are, are there kings? Yeah, we're all, you know, in a king sense. Jesus. Yeah, it was King Jesus, and we're all, in a sense, heirs right. and uh, are expected to walk in that, but it's not the same. And I would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same with prophets, you know, and I would even hesitate to call, you know, 
pro- people, uh, someone a prophet in the New Testament times. But I think all of those roles had changed, and there is a sense in which um, Christians can function in a similar way, but it's not exactly the same. Right. So the verse that kind of comes to my mind is in uh, Paul's final instructions in First uh, Thessalonians. And so in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, uh, some familiar verses. Verse 15 starts, See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good. Uh, verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, verse 19, Don't quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from what is evil. And so I I look at that and I say, okay, Old Testament prophecy being the exact words of God, um, without error, there would be nothing to abstain from in the direction given uh, through an Old Testament prophecy. But if this is Paul's instruction to the church under the New Covenant, as you're saying, He's saying, don't despise prophecies, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from what is evil. My thinking there is that prophecy has changed to, instead of God speaking word for word through a prophet, now he's giving an impression, giving an idea, and the fallible vessel through which it's communicated has the ability to distort the message, sure. because we're all fallible. And so now, in, in the New, New Testament church, there are, there are governing bodies and there are discerning bodies. This is why the, we, we would say that uh, gifts of the Spirit should be discerned by the leaders of the church uh, to discern what's good, what should we hold fast to? What's evil? What should we abstain from? So that that would kind of be where I I kind of go uh, in talking about New Testament prophecy and and believing that these gifts are still there and that the Holy Spirit really does speak to us. But when I say speak, I I don't mean in an audible voice. No, you mean more of like an internal leading. Absolutely, like, yeah, like yeah. an impression, an idea. I often say that every really good idea that I have, every God glorifying good idea I have probably wasn't mine. Yeah. <laughs> we'll attribute just, that to him. Right. And and I'll just be, I'll, I'll be suspicious of, of all my own thoughts. And if they're good ones, then I'll attribute them to God. And, and for me, at least that's a pretty safe way to live my life. I just always assume they're my ideas if they're good. Well, there you go, Chris. <laughs> this is an opportunity of sanctification for you. <laughs> I realize I'm just sitting here realizing now what you guys have done. You started out this conversation that I was, you know, more than willing to be part of. Is there a conversational relationship with Jesus? And now we're talking about the gifts and prophecy. So you guys sort of hoodwinked me into that. I think yeah. I don't know if you guys were. That was intentional. I'm guessing. Based on the sly smile of Chris Poots <laughs> over there, yeah, I would say, yeah, I, I think this is what we get for not scripting our shows uh, to the letter. I guess. Um, any, anything else in terms of uh, on that conversation that either of you guys want to um, mention? I, I just would I just would ask another question. Please so do. We're saying that the gifts are st- we're all continuationists. The gifts are still prevalent. Yep. Are they as prevalent today as they were in in the New Testament early church? What would you guys say to that? If somebody was to say, why don't we see people raised from the dead and healed right. as much today? I'm just trying to give the other side of the argument for our listeners. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great question, and and I would say. No, they're not as uh, as prevalent. They're not as um, obvious, and 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 perhaps not as numerous. And so, there's a couple things I'd say to that. Number one, um, a very similar argument can often can be made, and often is made, that you know Jesus dealt with spirit, evil spirits and demons all the time, right? If our church isn't exercising demons, then what are we doing? Because there's clearly just as much demonic activity now as there was in Jesus's day. And I would just say, well, yes and no. I mean, this is, 
Israel's Messiah come to earth to die for the sins of the world and destroy the works of the devil. I think the demonic world is going to be a little more up in arms trying to combat Jesus' ministry than mine. Yeah. But, um, but I would say that, I mean, the book of Acts is a unique time, right? And, and one, one day we might do an episode on baptism, um, but, uh, I mean, there, there's a great example in the book of Acts. You can't point at one particular instance and say, look— you know, baptism always happened immediately after conversion, because there are some times when it didn't. Look, the Holy Spirit um, comes in the form, uh, comes immediately when there, people are baptized. Or you can look at certain instances and say, look, see, baptism in the Spirit is subsequent. It's something different from conversion. And you can point to all of these different instances, because it was something that was new and happening. God was pouring His Spirit out on Gentiles for the first time in, in the history of the world. So I think the book of Acts is a really unique situation because uh, the message was just getting going. And, uh, and so I think that God worked uniquely. But I would also say that throughout human history, there probably have been moments in history where the work of the Spirit is more evident. So I would say during the time of the Protestant Reformation, if you read a lot of biographies about some of the, the great reformers, you'll hear about a lot of miraculous things that were going on in their lives, ways in which they were saved, ways in which they weren't seen by, by captors, and, and even, even the work of William Tyndale, if you look at his life, and uh, shipwrecked and saved, uh, and in, in his sh- being shipwrecked, uh, all of the tr- uh, translations he had been working on were lost, and, and uh, so you just look at some of the ways in which the Spirit moved in that way, I would just say, uh, the New Testament is a very unique time in human history, like the Protestant Reformation, or like some of these these moments, the Great Awakening would be another. And I would say, um, no, we don't see the Spirit work in the same way, but it doesn't mean He can't, and it doesn't mean He won't. Yeah, you know, I think another part of that is, uh, I don't even think we can say from the Bible the frequency of these things in the New Testament. If we take the New Testament, um, it was written over, let's call it 100 years. Yep. Uh, so I would, I would differ with that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure you would. That's a, 60, that's a, di- yeah. that's a different podcast. Uh, yeah, I was taking a wide view. Let's just, so nobody would yeah. argue. Yeah. Um, so we have, you know, evidence of, you know, 15 healings over the course of a hundred years. Right. That's, that's actually not that frequent. So we don't really have a clear, it's making an argument from silence yeah. about how frequent it was happening. Now, I actually do think it was more frequent, but uh, I don't necessarily think the Bible makes that clear. We also don't hear what's happening around the world. And uh, if you ever come in contact with people who are doing frontline missions where the gospel hasn't been before, where there is a, um, a spiritual battle going on that's much more... Um, explicit than what we have in North America, they will actually uh, indicate there's uh, a lot more miracles and uh, signs and wonders going on than what we experience here in North America. So uh, I think Sam Storms did something on that where he actually has done a study over times in history. And he says, yeah, the gifts have never stopped. And at times they were uh, pretty frequent. So uh, I read that a long time ago, but that would be just what I would add to what you mentioned. And it is interesting that, you know, in our in our kind of pompous North American Christianity, um, we look at that and we say, you know, we chase the gifts because we're saying, oh, we, we want it to be like the book of Acts. We want to see all these these miracles. And, and first, I would probably say that we oftentimes were guilty of chasing the gifts rather than the gift giver. And, and we've talked about that, uh, the three of us before. But um, but I would also just say, you know, in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sends out his disciples, 
Uh, and he, it says that he gave them the authority to cast out demons and to heal those who are sick. He did that in the context of mission, like you're saying, right? He didn't say, he didn't just give them that authority so that in, for the rest of their lives, you know, anytime they laid hands on somebody, it was guaranteed right. in the context of that particular mission. And so sometimes we're sitting back on our couches, we're watching Netflix at night, we go to church one, once a week on Sundays, we open our Bible infrequently, and then we say, why don't we see the gifts? <laughs> and it's like, because you're not on mission, man. You're, you're yeah. not living the life that God... Uh, designed the gifts to work through. Yeah, yeah. and I would, so. I would, I always take it as people assume that if they have ever committed, like done a healing or something, that they are a healer, that they can just throw that around whenever they would like. Right. The spirit can come on somebody to do a miraculous thing, but it doesn't mean they can do that at will. Yeah. Um. There's the story where the apostles failed. Yeah. They couldn't cast out the demon. Jesus had to go do it himself. And yeah. so I, I think that's where we get stuck in the North American culture. We think that. Because I've prophesied once, that means I can prophesy whenever I, I want. I am a prophet. I, exactly. We, we I seek am, titles. Yeah. Exactly. Not and like you said, we we seek the miraculous gift and not the giver of the gift, right? Right. And so. and I would just say to that, this is one verse I love, uh, just kind of throwing to people in Timothy when when you know Paul. I mean. Paul did a lot of miraculous things. The Spirit was working through him in really miraculous ways. And later on in his ministry, um, he tells Timothy, who has this stomach ailment, you know, take a little bit of wine for your stomach, Timothy. Didn't, didn't you know, cast out the demon of stomach ailments. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't uh, heal him, you know, through a miraculous word. He said, take a little bit of wine. And so even Paul wouldn't have given himself the office of healer. Uh, he recognized that sometimes it was the, the Spirit's sovereign will, and sometimes it wasn't. So. Exactly. And he didn't rebuke Timothy for, Timothy for his lack of faith yeah exactly so. yeah so um so i i hopefully this uh this conversation has been helpful to you and and we are um uh, kind of unique i think sometimes uh, not not to say we're we're great and unique but i just mean um as people who would call ourselves reformed and people who would call ourselves continuationists um we find ourselves in this odd camp and so uh we'd love some interaction on this we'd love some pushback on this we'd love to be able to converse and and we'll do another uh q a episode coming up and if you have any questions about how any of this stuff works or or how we would defend uh particular positions we'd love to get those questions because uh, we want to be responding to you yeah, if you if you want to interact with us, it's simple. You can email us right on our website, um, or you can like us on Facebook, comment on Facebook, share our links on Facebook, or on Twitter, or on Instagram, and, or even write a review on Inst- on uh, iTunes. If you write a review on iTunes, we'll we'll definitely reach back to you, and uh, get in t- touch with you and answer any of your questions you guys have. Um, we just want to end today, though. Jude, I'm going to ask you a question. It's our Christian life hack. How do you not lose your sanctification when you're stuck in traffic and you're late for a meeting? <laughs> Which uh, is probably pretty if, frequent. If you it? ask my kids, I wouldn't know the answer to that question. <laughs> um, that is a, something I struggle with a lot, uh, driving. Matter of fact, had an incident today right out front of the church. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Church member? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, as far as I know. Uh, anyways, here's where, uh, here's my life hack. Uh, when, uh, the few times I maintain my presence of mind and don't lose my sanctification while driving in a traffic jam or surrounded by people who I don't think are very skilled at driving, uh, what has helped me the most by far is, uh, understanding God's sovereignty. So if I just stop for a minute and I say, I am right here, uh, because God ordained it to be. And this flow of traffic, traffic is going this fast because that's what God ordained. Uh, that's when I can, you know, rein in, you know, the anger, the all of that stuff and say, no, 
this this is all right. I can work through this. So I don't claim to uh, do that anywhere near as often as I should. But when I do, it's it's leaning into the sovereignty of God that helps me. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being here again, uh, Jude. Thanks for uh, being with us uh, as always, Dave, Chris, uh, and we'll see you guys next time, next episode. Take care.